The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the Global Liberty Alliance, its network, sponsors, donors, or broadcast platforms. The Global Liberty Alliance provides this podcast for informational purposes. Freedom of speech is a fundamental right and essential for free societies to prosper. Thank you for listening and supporting the mission of the Global Liberty Alliance, dedicated to strengthening and defending fundamental individual rights, free markets, and the rule of law. And this is Jason Poblet with the Global Liberty Alliance coming to you from Alexandria, Virginia today, right across the river from Washington, D.C., currently, as we call it, occupied Washington, D.C. There's still a military garrison out there kind of sort of surrounding the Capitol perimeter, which we hope will come down soon. Today we have, as always, our friend and our colleague down in Guatemala, Betty Marroquin, who's been with us before on the GLA podcast. Betty, how are you doing? Hi, Jason. Um, thanks so much for the opportunity to talk to you once again and to uh, hopefully be, be listened by some of the key players in Washington. We're doing fine here. Um, weather is beautiful in my beautiful country of eternal spring. And, um, you know, always uh, fighting every day against uh, all the things that we believe are keeping our country a little behind. Mm. You know, the, what's interesting, Betty, and for those who haven't listened to Betty before, we've posted a link um, on, our, on our podcast page that you'll be able to hear some of the older shows uh, with Betty about some of the topics we're going to chat about today. Uh, which are going to focus on, on on rule of law issues and some big news in Guatemala. But before we jump into any of that, because people over here are following news in Central America closely, how is the pandemic issue going down there? You know, there's all this talk about immigration, you know, people fleeing the region. Um, Tucker Carlson's down there this week with Fox News, and there's been a lot more renewed interest on the border, partly because of the pandemic, but also because of the immigration issue. How are things down there in Guatemala and the immigration issue? Well, the, the immigration issue has gotten worse this year, uh, unfortunately, because a lot of people here have heard that if they, if they cross the border, they will be welcomed automatically. Some think they will become US citizens automatically. Um, they are also uh, they also believe that they will get 1200 US dollars as soon as they cross the borders per, per person. So they're going with the whole family. Um, I know of several people that had employees that worked for them with all the benefits for decades that the, these employees decided all of a sudden this year that they were going north because wow. this was the moment to become an American. And um, so people are looking for employees here for several industries because there's less and less because they all want to go north. You know, the jury's um, still out on, on your president down there, um, another president in Central America in El Salvador, Nayib Bukaleli, who was, um, I'm still, the jury's still out on me and him, uh, as far as what I think of him. But uh, I, ha I have to give him some kudos because he did an interview with Tucker Carlson uh, mm -hmm. yesterday, I think, because he's down there in El Salvador, and he talked about the immigration issue. And he said something that's so true. He came at this from a, a cost-benefit approach where 
immigration, illegal immigration hurts not only the U.S., but it hurts El Salvador and it hurts all countries in Central America because usually people who pack up and go and risk their life are, you know, brave people, tough people, people that you want in your country working. And he acknowledged that, hey, we've done a bad job of creating jobs. We've done a bad job of creating opportunity. We have to do a better job of controlling crime. So he, he kind of wrapped it up well. I just wish the reason I'm very suspicious of him still is because he, he, he still makes deals with China. He's trying to, to do this Belt Road Initiative with the Chinese. And he has some very awkward, he's very opaque on some issues that I believe are important to U.S. national security. But hey, we'll keep an eye on him to see if, uh, if he improves and becomes a little more focused on the Latin America first mindset. But do you agree with him that part of that, you know, the part of the problem is security and lack of jobs and uh, and even in Guatemala do you think that's a big challenge right now why people flee well it re it's regional Tucker I mean uh, Jason I'm sorry I was thinking of Tucker Carlson that's yes. okay <laughs> no problem we, we're, we're on sync on most things but anyhow go, go ahead oh uh, yes it is regional Jason it is regional here there's some areas where jobs have been killed for instance um, to give you an example, the mining industry, all of our, all of the investment has been killed by the constitutional court that is leaving um, due to unfounded allegations, because I visited personally these mines and I saw what they do, and they're not, they were not hurting the ecology, they were giving back to the communities, they had hospitals, they had schools, um, towns had flourished around them, people opening all sorts of businesses for the workers. Um, to give you one example, in the, in the mine of San Rafael, in that town, 80,000 families, families, uh, Jason, families, that means 80,000 times four, which is the average number of a family, were left without bread on their table wow. because of the Constitutional Court forcing the mine to close. And Tahoe Resources, which is an American company, had to lose the mine. They went down on the stock market brutally and were bought by somebody else. So that's that has hurt us here because people end up without a job. And, it, and we're talking about direct jobs as well as secondary jobs. It's no, incredible. It's, and it's, that's just one example in one region like that has it has replicated in various areas in the in the highlands especially um, mining industry farming industry being attacked left and right and i will get into this a little later if you if, if you let me because it's important for washington to know you see i think that the people at the state department and the people at the white house have the best intentions i think they want to fight corruption and I think they want to fight drug traffickers. However, what they don't know is that here their allies are doing the opposite of what they should be doing, are taking, have been taking Washington for a ride for decades, milking their cow, the, the, the US cow, getting millions of dollars without results. Yeah, and that's and a good, and, you know, this, this is a great point and, and uh, let me, let me interrupt you one second, because uh -huh. I think this, this is a great segue and, and, and I, I don't want to lose it. You know, one of the core missions here at GLA, our core mission is to defend fundamental individual rights, free markets and rule of law. Mm -hmm. And what Betty's talking about 
goes to the heart of what we fight for, property rights. And the reason why individuals should be able to keep what they, what they work, what they earn, the land, be able to work, have ability to do what they want with their lives without the government taking it from them in many ways, regulations, taxes, and corruption. Uh, corruption is, is theft of the penal. You know, you're stealing from the people. And Guatemala has been struggling with this, but every country struggles with this. And we're going to talk about today's uh, the news, because there was some big news down there with the Constitutional Court and why it matters. Betty, this issue of property rights, because you're talking about mines, you're talking about corruption. You've told me many times before, using corrupt people to fight corruption is a really bad idea. And there's this disconnect between what Washington thinks is happening in these places, our neighbors, our friends, our allies in the region, uh, and then what's actually really happening down there. And we keep hearing these stories decade after decade. And I can say that now. I'm, I'm closing in on 51. So I've been studying the region closely for a long time. You've worked this issue for a long time. Why is it that anytime I hear about Central America, I cannot hear about good stuff? like work, like the, the, your beautiful country, the, the people, the hard work. Why is it always the bad news? Why can't we work together to fight these issues? And what has happened that you say one thing in Washington and then something else happens down there? And then we'll jump into the constitutional court. But I think it's important for listeners to know because anytime you see the news in the U.S. about something in Central America, it's bad news. But it really is not a bad news place. It's a wonderful place. But why is yes. that? Why is it constantly bad, negative stuff? Very simple answer, because the source of information for Washington, those who feed the, the brains in Washington are the same and are the ones interested in maintaining that image so that they keep milking the cow down here. It's hilarious when you look at, for, for instance, the US gave $50 million, and this is the only, the only number I could found by 2018 to CSIG. CSIG got by 2018, which is 11 years of operations in Guate, they got $167 million. Where are the results? All the people, the majority of the people incarcerated by CSIG are in, in um, what do you call it, pretrial incarceration. They didn't even get to trial. Only Baldetti got one. And I'm I not took, so, so basically it's a bad news. So basically they just focus on the bad stuff and never focus on the good stuff. And by the way, for people listening, CSIG, uh -huh. what Betty's talking about, is this UN OAS international, it's an international court, basically, that was imposed on the people of, Nicar uh, the people of Guatemala uh, many years ago. I never supported it, um, and, and I took a lot of criticism for it because people say, well, what, are you supporting drug dealers and corrupt people? And I go, no, no, I'm not. In fact, I don't have a dog in that fight. I don't have any clients in Guatemala. We don't do work in Guatemala. So for us, it's really an issue of rule of law. Lawyers, Guatemala has a good, stable of awesome jurists, people who mm. are proud Guatemalans who can do the work. And as, as I tell people here in the United States, when they ask me about, well, why do U.S. taxpayers spend almost $200 million on this boondoggle? Well, imagine if in the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia or Florida or California, the OAS, you know, the Organization of American States or the U.N. were to impose on it a court of lawyers from other countries and other states, there would be an uprising. There'd be people would be super upset. People would be very angry. The lawyers in that state would not, would not stand for it. 
they would push them out, rightly so. Uh, mm-hmm. California has courts. Virginia has courts. Texas has courts. Florida has courts. Guatemala has courts. All right. Guatemala has lawyers. Centuries. Some families can trace their legal tradition back centuries. People who've been practicing law, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, good people. And somebody decided here in Washington that we needed to impose this organization on, a, on Guatemala and tell Guatemalans how to run their legal system. And what Betty's saying is that the people who they put in there were corrupt and they were dirty. They were, so, so that's about using corrupt people to fight corruption. It's a horrible thing. And watch the taxpayers be funding that stuff. Is that correct? And I, and I wish the U.S. would follow the money. Look where your money has gone. Your taxpayers' money have made filthy rich a bunch of people, a group of people that have that would have never had what they have now if they have worked as regular attorneys. And what you mentioned is so true. There's so many magistrates here that are not millionaires. They you can you can see what they have. It 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 completely falls within the parameters of what they earn legally. And you you see people that have worked with the US closely, like Tel Maldana. You have her 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 daughter's own, without any justification, these very wealthy apartments in some of the most expensive tell, and I'm talking about hey, Betty, hey, be, Betty, be, Betty, tell people who Thelma Aldana is. I know who she is, but but share it with the, the listeners. Be, she was the attorney general. Actually it's hilarious because the the second uh, commissioner of CSIG uh, named her as one of the most corrupt attorneys in Guatemala. And then the third commissioner of CSIG, along with US Ambassador Todd Robinson, picked her to become our attorney general. So she was being investigated by the second CSIG, but then is appointed as the most incorrupt woman in, in the legal field in Guatemala on the with the by the third CSIG, it makes no sense. So you, you basically know? so you basically had this star chamber courtroom, international court, uh-huh. handpicking winners and losers, and they were still corrupt. So it was a corrupt uh-huh. process from the very beginning. Exactly. Exactly. We were shocked when she was picked as attorney general. We were Everyone here was up in arms saying, but weren't you investigating her? And the investigation was shut down and quiet completely. Where is she now? Oh, she's in Washington. Um, uh, Elliot Engels and um, Norma Torres helped her become a refugee in Washington. So she's, she's in the process of, of asylum. So, uh, so, so how is it that someone... Okay, this is, okay let, let's, let's unpack this a little bit because then we'll get to the constitutional court. Uh, there's a big, uh, who were taking their oath of office April the 14th uh, next mm-hmm. month. But the critics here will tell you, well, Betty, she was corrupt because the political opposition says she was corrupt. How do you answer that question? Because she's on the left. The, the, right, the, 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 right, the right would say, so, so what, what do you tell people who would say, yeah, of course, that's what Betty would say, because Betty's part of the conservative movement. So what, how, how, do you, how do you respond to that when they ask you, when they tell you something like that? Sisig said she was corrupt. Castresana and Delañese said she was corrupt. The That's two amazing. commissioners from Sisig, they said she was corrupt. That's how we found out she existed. And then she comes here and somehow figured out a way to get political asylum? She actually... Exactly. And, and not only that, Jason, we see her winning all these awards and whatnot and being basically um, uh, revered as a 
sacred whatever in Washington and in and for some in some countries in Europe like Sweden and Germany and whatever. And we know that her number one sponsor is a, is a millionaire businessman here that is a we he's not exactly in good standing with the majority of the population. His family is great. His family is a hardworking family, but he himself realized, this is my, my impression and the impression of many of us here, he realized in the past two or three years that he could get even more money and more power. You see, what he's, what he's taking is power. He wants to become president one day. So he started backing up CSIG, which he attacked a couple of years earlier, viscerally attacked a couple of years earlier. And then he is number the number one financer for Telmaldana. How do you, I mean, Americans that, that help her don't think, where is she getting the money to live in an expensive apartment in Washington and without working? Where is she getting the money? Interesting. The, it's, it, that's what I'm telling. Are there any, are, are there any legal, legal actions investigations open or pending against her in Guatemala yes in Guatemala she's being investigated for the illegal purchase of a building for the public ministry which is still on you unoccupable uh, I'm sorry if my it lost the word unoccupied occupy it uh-huh uh -huh. because the public ministry did an investigation and the building is a mess and she bought it for about three times its value and the whole process of purchase was illegal. It violated every single rule of our, of our acquis government acquisitions rules. So we're talking with um, we're talking with Betty Marroquin, uh, Liberty Warrior, uh, former vice presidential candidate in Guatemala, diplomat about rule of law in Guatemala. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello, fellow Liberty Warriors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way uh, to make a podcast. It's free uh, for starters. There's also an awesome creation tool. If you don't want to hire a producer right away, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone, right from your computer, anywhere you are at any time. It's uh, distributed for you. So that's really important. Once you record this, you need to get it to the right platform. They will do that for you, including on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many, many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. It's all in one place. It's very easy to use. So give Anchor a try. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. Betty, when we took the break, you were filling us in on the investigations of Thelma Aldana mm -hmm. about a property or some type of a building that she somehow is accused of being involved in some unlawful activities. Who, what entities investigating her in Guatemala? It's the, the Attorney General's office. The attorney okay. general's office, which we call the public ministry, is investigating her. But here's, you see, if, if she was clean, why did she run from the country? She said her life was in danger. 
By who? Who's trying to hurt her? Nobody's trying to hurt her, especially when she lives here with, with uh, bodyguards that we were still paying for uh, monthly, even after she left uh, public office. Mm. Because she, she decided, she ruled it herself, that after leaving office, the government needed to continue protecting her. And we were paying, us taxpayers were paying for her protection, even after leaving office. Something unprecedented in Guatemala, because not even presidents said that. Well, you but know, you under see, you know, under U.S. law, uh -huh. when someone I can't I have no idea if this will happen. I, I don't know this person. I'm just sharing this for our listeners benefit. But when somebody has to file an application for asylum, uh, lying on an application, asylum application is a violation of the law. So, the, you know, those, you know, anyone applying for political asylum has to document it and be careful because in the United States, if somebody lies on their application and let's say they were involved in some human rights abuse or some type of a gross violation of human rights and they didn't disclose it in their application, there's a unit at the uh, DHS ICE that dedicates itself to uh, finding people who do such things and removing them from the United States. So um, I think that's a word to people in Guatemala, you know, corrupt people in Guatemala today. Don't think America is a safe haven back in the, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, things like that would happen, but there's an anti haven unit over there that keeps track of these sort of things. And uh, folks, folks should be reminded not to do it. Uh, if they're seeking political asylum, especially when they're former officials of, of, of foreign governments. Now, on April the 14th, this is the kind of the big news why we wanted to talk to Betty today, because we saw this pop up and it was an important development. And I wanted Betty to explain to listeners why it was important. Uh, on April the 14th, new members of the uh, Guatemala's Constitutional Court will be, I think it's five permanent and five alternate judges will take office. Uh, the president has a point that I think is chief of staff, uh, Leila Lemuse, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's some other machinations going on. As I understand it, Betty, your constitutional court is your highest uh, civil court for uh, in the Republic of Guatemala. So it focuses on preserving the constitutional order and it rules on different aspects of the government, making sure that certain things are legal and done consistently with the constitution. It's also been very controversial because of prior members and compositions. But why is this such a big development? Because it was front page news in Guatemala. And mm -hmm. why should US taxpayers be paying attention to any of this? Before I answer this, let me just add to our previous topic, the, this office, this uh, watchdog office in, in INL. They're sending, by letting Thelma Aldana in, in Washington stay in the US and granting her asylum, they're telling all the leftists here that they're welcome to come to Washington and lie to the US government to get asylum. That's the message, just to let you know. Now, moving forward to the, to the constitutional court. Our constitutional court is not, we don't see it as a highest court. It's an appendix that was created to watch over constitutional order and utmost respect to the constitution, period. Like a watchdog that was supposed to advise the other three 
we, we're a republic. So we have three organisms, the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. Those are our, our three uh, top and top um, uh, governmental divisions, Right. period. The constitutional court was created only as an appendix. I underline this, but in recent years, CSIG identified and, and the left, especially Helen Mack and both uh, Edgar Gutierrez and Dionisio Gutierrez identified the, this entity as a very, um, very useful tool to manipulate whatever happened here. And all of a sudden, CSIG started, um, uh, let me, I'm sorry, the Constitutional Court started occupying areas of, of law that were specifically belonging to the judiciary, or it even became, it even reached a point in the past four years that the Constitutional Court pretended to be above the executive office and above the legislative office. So, under, so, un, so, un, so under your constitution, they're supposed these are three co-equal branches, basically. Yes, the branches. Thank you. The branches of, of office. So all yeah. three, so so are th very similar to the American one. I know your constitution is a structure a little different, but basically you have these three branches of government. Yes. Like any you, republic. And, and like any republic. And then you had this international invader called CSIG, this international court hovering mm -hmm. and, and starting to poke at the third branch of government, and, the, 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 claiming, the judicial branch. And if I may interrupt you for two seconds, and claiming that it was above our constitution and above our three branches. The alien court, so this alien invader, CSIG, would claim that it was above all of this? Yes, openly. But, you know, they can't, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Even under customary international law, that's a, a, a erroneous statement. Did, I mean, is there a piece of paper that says that? Or did they oh, just... Oh, it's in the media. The Velasco said it. It's in video. It's no, in official. Paper. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, how did they argue that this was unofficial? Did, did, was there some type of an agreement that in writing between the Guatemalan government that said, yes, you come here and you're gonna be above everything else, including the constitution no. of our land. No, as a matter of fact, CSIG was never even ratified by our Congress as it should have been. So how, how so they are alien invaders then. So this was like a, 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 a an invading United Nations, or what was it? This was an a, a OAS organization, the UN organization. UN organization. That's right, this was the UN, not, not the other one, the other the other Mackey one that's in another country. We'll leave that Honduras. off. off. Honduras, Honduras, right, right. Uh -huh. So, so you had this UN alien invader uh, come in there and tell you the UN basically is telling you we are above you. You will do as we say. That's what they tried to do. Yes, yes. That's that's that's, that's again. I never supported this thing. And the more you tell me, the more I hear from my friends in Guatemala about this place, of uh, this entity. The more and more I say we have to do a forensic audit of CSIG. Everything. Oh, yeah. Everything has to be investigated, a criminal forensic audit to find out what the heck happened. So you had this entity then hovering over your constitutional court and the other branches of government. And what you know, what was happening and why was the April decision, this April event this month coming up so important? Well, it's 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 important because of this. Number one, we had selected uh, in February, we voted and I, I voted because I'm barred. Um, I'm part of the bar. Um, Members of the bar voted for a judge called um, his name. His last name is Moto. I can't remember his first name. He was a um, criminal judge with an impeccable career, a technocrat, but he humiliated Sisig. You see, 
he humiliated Sisig over the Valdez Pais uh, case to the point that he said during the trial to Sisig people, he, he said, you want me to condemn this guy, then bring me proof. You are not even doing your job. You're not bringing me proof. I cannot condemn someone without proof. And this is on video. So they hated Moto because he humiliated Sisig and he had to set the guy free. And, he, and the guy was innocent because the key witness presented by Sisig said he's got, the, the key witness got sick. And mm. there is a video also of this. He says it point blank during the hearing. He points out at the Sisig people and he says, you made me lie. This guy is innocent. I want to die in peace. That's why I'm opening up and telling the truth. You made me testify lies. You wrote in a piece of paper what I needed to say, and I said it because you paid me for it, and it was all lies. I want to die in peace, and that's why I need to say it out loud. This humiliation, they never forgave. The left and, and CSIG never forgave George Moto for doing this. On top of it, George Moto also, Judge Moto also had to oversee the Oderbrecht case, mm. which pertains to Juan Francisco Sandoval, which is currently the attorney general for FESI. FESI is the division created by CSIG in the public ministry for special cases. And this guy Sandoval, without any, in, any uh, uh, official um, authorization, traveled to Brazil to negotiate on behalf of Guatemala with Oderbrecht, the, 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 that huge multinational. Yeah, the big any, the big exactly. any, uh, yeah, yeah. And because of Sandoval, Guatemala lost over a hundred million uh, quetzales, which is about $80 million, more or less. Um, we lost it because he decided to grant a pardon to Oderbrecht instead of being investigated. And the, the accusation on Sandoval fell on Judge Moto's desk. So it was Judge Moto who was investigating as a judge, he was working with the public ministry to investigate their own attorney general over this case. Because we believe here, and there, there are severe, severe allegations that he received money by Oderbrecht, he got a cut in order to set Oderbrecht free. And, and for folks who haven't heard about the Oderbrecht, any corruption scandal, we will post a link in the podcast about it. But briefly, it was uh, started in Brazil, but it impacted many countries in, in the region. And it had a lot of connections to the left. And it was something that still to this day uh, has not been fully uh, dealt with. Of course, you'll never hear about it in the media, uh, at least US media, because of it's you know the left got caught with the hand in the cookie jar and setting up very corrupt deals and it impacted throughout the region, all over the region, and mm -hmm. I, I still think they haven't uh, we still don't have a full accounting of what happened there. But so Betty, why is what happened April? Why is what these appointments that happened? Why is this so important now? How does it fit into the big picture of Nicaragua uh, of Guatemala's battle against corruption? what's happening with the constitutional court and are they going to be able to try to restore some law and order down there? Because we want judges that are non-political. We want judges. You see, when I say we, I mean like myself, there's 
millions of Guatemala. Guatemala has 17, 17 million people. And the majority of the population, when you read in social media and whatnot, and they, believe me, the indigenous people have cell phones. There's over 20 million operating cell phones in a country of 17 million people. You go to the highlands now and you see the indigenous people with their cell phone in hand. Okay, having said that, the majority of us want a, a constitutional court that, that is strictly dedicated to what our constitution says, which is defending the constitution and constitutional order, period. We don't want a political court. We don't want this court to be used to persecute anyone. We want this court to say to the, to the three branches, what you're doing is wrong because the constitution says this is, this is how you should do it. That's what it should be doing. And that's what we want. We want judges that dedicate themselves to that, you see? Because we believe that we, what we're struggling for is for equality under the law. So we don't care if you're a military or a guerrilla commander, you committed a crime, you pay for it, period. We don't care if you're a man, a woman, or whatever other gender, if you commit a crime, you pay for it. We don't care if a crime is committed against a woman, a man, a, a senior, a child, or a transgender, or whatever. You commit a crime, you pay for it, period. You see? What do you what do you what do you tell people in Washington who I know will call me? I, I see it, it's coming. They're gonna call me or I'm gonna get emails. In fact, just last week I was accused of uh, protecting drug dealers and oh, and, and, and and Russians and why are you corrupt, you know, you're trying to protect Russian oligarchs and all this. So, you know, the, the usual stuff. And these are people I consider friends plus associates, but they also mm -hmm. know I'm very passionate about the, the importance of the rule of law and focusing on using due process and legal standards to meet out the criminals and the bad people. So what 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 do you tell these people? Because that that's what they will accuse us of. They will accuse us of doing all these horrible things that we're just trying to cover up the corruption. I would tell them to expand their sources of information and stop listening to only the same sources that they have been listening to for decades because they're not telling you the truth. For instance, let me give you an example, very clear example. Guatemala stopped being a, a drug production country um, when during the Reagan administration because USAID when USAID used to, used to dedicate itself to um, development alone, um, we got a lot of new crops introduced in Guatemala, which are to this, to this day being exported. And I've seen the indigenous cooperatives that, that work on these products. That, that, that was fabulous, you see? But how come during the years of CSIG, which was supposed to fight impunity crime and organized crime and whatnot here. How come we became once again a production, a cocaine production country? How come? We are yeah. now back to being producers instead of just being a transshipment area during the CSIG years, during the last part of CSIG. How come? Hasn't, hasn't Washington wondered why? And then, we have all these uh, entities that are being led by people like Daniel Pascual. You can Google him, Daniel Pascual. He leads an entity called Codeca, and I put him as an example. He lives in a 3,000 euro rent house here. That's 
a super luxurious house paid by who? By the European Union. Mm. Okay. So this guy who, who has a very expensive cars, I wish, I wish the U.S. would really dig into this and see where your taxpayer's money have gone to. Because these guys, okay, they have promoted the invasion of private property in Guatemala. There's over 2,000 private properties in the, in the rural areas that are in, currently invaded. And we're not talking about very rich owners. We're talking about all sorts of people. Last, just last week. Let me, and, and, I mean, and let me, let me, sorry, Betty, I want, I want some context here for the listeners. Uh -huh. the, average, the average income in quetzales to dollars in Guatemala, notice what Betty just said. This person lives in a 3,000 euro, euro, that's about, about the same dollars, roughly, maybe a little higher, but... 30,000 Qs. Qs. So in dollars, the average Guatemalan earns about 10,500 quetzales, which is about $1,300 a month. I live right? in a $700 rental apartment. So it, it, it's it's so when she says three thousand euros, that is a lot of money in uh -huh. Guatemala. So, anyways, go 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 ahead. And I and I live in a very nice area, and I pay seven hundred dollars for my rental. And, so, you, and you and you live in a beautiful area, and it's also a beautiful country, folks. So yes. if you so haven't been to Guatemala, you should area. visit. So anyhow, go ahead, but keep exactly. going. So this guy, Daniel Pascual, is an example because there's several Cook, Calas, Codeca. Okay, they all protect the invaders of the private property. You know what the invaders have done? We call them narco guerrillas here because they are very well armed. They go into a farm, they kill the, the, the workers from the farm, which are all indigenous people as well. Then they destroy the crops and they build um, illegal landfills for the drug traffickers to land. And they protect this land with tooth and nails the, the CCIG and, the, and, the, and our ombudsman, our human rights ombudsman, will not allow the military to go into those farms and liberate the farms for the owners. Hmm. Just last week, an indigenous guy who owned land with his two sons were murdered. We're talking about indigenous people being murdered by indigenous people, okay? These are not whites going there to kill the indigenous owners, no. It was indigenous guys manipulated by the narco guerrillas who went and killed these three uh, indigenous property owners. Hmm. That is something okay. else. And this that is, is all favoring the drug traffickers. So basically, in other words, U.S. taxpayers' money is allocated to Guatemala to fight, for example, what Todd Robinson allocated to, to reform the judiciary. It was never done. Then they allocated money to um, promote uh, reforming the constitutional court in, uh, the, of the constitution in Guatemala um, to impose abortion and um, all the LGBTQI plus agenda and whatnot. We fought it because we're a conservative country. Yes, we are pro-life and the 16 million Guatemalans are pro-life and we are also a very religious country. We're either Christian Catholics or uh, Christian Protestants. I'm sorry, we are. And we're not going to apologize for having faith. So um, we fought it. In other words, U.S. gives money for the judiciary reform. It didn't work. It gives money to the same people to, to impose these constitution, constitutional reforms. It didn't work. It gave money to CICIG. And we 
defeated Cisig because of its excesses. We couldn't put up with it any longer. Cisig well, has innocent people that died in jail while being innocent. Some after death, it came out, oh, sorry, they were innocent. Well, this is, you know, this is amazing. The grit of the Guatemalan people. I know that they have been fighting these battles. The Liberty Warriors, as we call them at the Global Liberty Alliance, we call folks like you uh, Liberty Warriors. It's phenomenal what you've done. You've been able to withstand not only uh, imposition of alien courts from the United Nations, but uh, foreign money, uh, corruption and meddling in your country uh, by people who are not even Guatemalans. And when we come back, uh, since Betty's opened the door to talk about U.S. policy, which is one of our favorite topics around here, we're going to ask her opinion about a law that was uh, a law proposal that was introduced last Congress by a, uh, a congresswoman from California called Congresswoman Torres. And she in, uh, had this bill that never made it to the floor of the House, but it was called the Global Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act to combat corruption, money laundering, and impunity in Guatemala, H.R. 1630. It's a, uh, an issue we follow Global Magnitsky very closely here at Global Liberty Alliance. I want to get Betty's uh, views on that and talk a little bit more about what you can do, uh, fellow Americans can do to help our friends in Guatemala combat corruption. We'll be right back. And we're back to Global Liberty Alliance podcast. This is Jason Poblet talking with Betty Marroquin in Guatemala. Uh, as always, uh, enjoy having Betty on the show. Uh, she not only brings current topics, but also makes us think. Betty, what is this law from uh, Congresswoman Torres that she tried to introduce? Because frankly, I, I found it kind of redundant because the global Magnitsky law is already law. You know, members of Congress sometimes will introduce bills just to say they're doing something and the bill will just sit there forever, make get referred around to different committees and nothing happens. This bill didn't do anything new. It was redundant in the sense that Global Magnitsky, the global anti-corruption law, has been on the books for a while. And it's something that uh, you, it's, it's again, you don't have to waste taxpayer money on introducing these things. But what I found very interesting about this bill, it has not been reintroduced. It actually lists, and this is what I wanted to ask you about. Why does it list the constitutional court as people who need to be sanctioned? I mean, who, who you know, Americans, you know, you have no business. You know, we have no business telling Guatemala what to do. So you it put this alien court, CSIG, to invade Guatemala many years ago from the UN. Then you tried to undercut rule of law domestically. And now they're trying to pass laws that use our existing laws to weaponize a good program that run by the Treasury Department to go after, and they listed in the law, the constitutional court. And they go after specific people, people who impeded or interfered with the work of any US government agency or any institution receiving contributions from the U.S. government, including the International Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala, CSIG. So maybe they're going to go after you or your friends. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm glad this didn't become law. This was a terrible, terrible law, uh, proposed law. Um, I support Golobanitsky, but I don't support 
weaponizing uh, our sanction laws to suppress free speech. So what do you say to Congresswoman Torres and the people who sponsored this law, this proposed law? Let me let me first tell you that Congresswoman Norma Torres, her family fled Guatemala and entered the U.S. illegally because they, her family was in the guerrillas. Okay, that's where she's coming from. Yeah, but the, but, so but, but okay, but, but but okay, she was she was fleeing. I, mean, I don't hold that against her. I mean, she was fleeing persecution. No, but what I'm saying is, it's ideologically he she has this thing at heart. She imposing socialism in a country like mine has been a target of her family's. Okay. Okay. So I see what you're saying. He joined Helen Mack, Daniel Pascual, and all of these people that, like I said before, that protect the guerrillas. It's funny how Helen Mack never attacks drug traffickers. She never mentions drug trafficking ever. Wonder why? Whereas we say it openly. We I have even asked for the death penalty for drug traffickers. Hmm. Openly and out loud. Wonder why I wish Washington would say, hmm, interesting point. Okay, so um, Norma Torres understands very well. She's very good friends with Tel Maldana, with Yasmin Barrios, with um, all these judges that have been rewarded and awarded. So, so, so these are all people. Th these are all people on the left. These are all judges, leftist judges, whose families are tightly linked to the guerrillas, to the former guerrillas. Remember, the guerrillas killed U.S. Ambassador, um, I can't remember his name right now, in 1968, the year when I was right. born. Right, he was right. murdered like an animal on the street. And that crime was never even investigated, nor pretty much less punished. And the perpetrators, which are guerrilla, guerrilla people, are now invited to a U.S. Embassy for the receptions. Need I say more? Okay, so Norma Torres has- oh, By the way, stuff. Betty, Betty, before we jump to that, it's important that our listeners know this and we'll provide a link as well. Uh, Betty is talking about, I believe- Gordon Maine, Gordon right. Maine. Gordon, uh, US Ambassador Gordon Maine. And to date, we have no idea, nobody has been held to account for what they did to him. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and I, I still think we should. There's no statute of limitation on terrorism and murders, you know, murdering someone. And I think we should go after- if possible, and, who did this to easy. our diplomats. And it's easy because at the time, one of the guerrilla groups claimed as a, just like the, like, like the Muslim terrorists do nowadays that they claim responsibility and they say, oh, we did it very proudly. These guerrilla groups said the same thing when Gordon Maine was assassinated. So all they need to do is go to the files and see who were in, those, in, that, in that group. And by, and by the way, and this is a quick foot, a quick little footnote, but an important one to the men and women who serve at the State Department. Uh, I think they don't get the credit they should. Uh, they these men and women go work in some really tough places, and there are some phenomenal patriots working at the State Department and are in a diplomatic corps. Uh, look look at what happened to our diplomats, for example, serving in 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 Benghazi, and 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 that was horrible. That still has not been fully held to account, but even our diplomats right here in the Western Hemisphere who were serving in communist Cuba uh, right after the rapprochement with the, uh, with the Obama administration and the communist regime there. And within months of this you know, happening, uh, there, and, and fortunately the Biden administration has appointed a special representative there to investigate 
what happened to our diplomats who I believe they were attacked, they were targeted. I, I would venture a guess. I think Russia was probably behind some of this, uh, but the, no doubt in my mind, Cuba was behind it. So what happened in Guatemala in 1968, it may be old news for a lot of people. I think it's still relevant. And if, if, if someday the people who did this can, if they're still around, uh, they should be held to account. So um, Betty, thank you for indulging me there for a minute. Go ahead and let's jump, let's jump back on this uh, on the statute. No, no, that's interesting. Yes. So this bill that she introduced is a bill to strictly punish those who oppose her ideology, those who oppose socialism in Guatemala. I could be included. And you know what? I don't care if I'm not allowed to go back into the U.S. I say it out loud. Wow. If defending freedom, constitution, rule of law, and democracy in Guatemala and our Republican principles means I cannot go shopping into the U.S. anymore. That's fine. Hmm. And like oh. me, there's several people that did the same thing. I have a I have the letter that was given recently by um, I'm sorry to say it by some some U.S. Uh, people in Guatemala to the Congress, basically telling them who they should pick as a magistrate for the Constitutional Court because Congress appoints one magistrate the executive another, the judiciary another, the bar points the fourth one, and the University of San Carlos points the fifth appointee. Yeah. It's There's five magistrates with their corresponding um, replacements that are picked for the Constitutional Court. So Norma Torres thinks that whoever um, claims anything against her friends here is is part of what they call the pact of corrupt. And the funniest thing with the so-called pact of corrupt is that number one, it's being manipulated by the most corrupt people in Guatemala. And number two, they call all of us, I included, as part of the pact of corrupt. We, if we were part of the pact of corrupt, do you think we would openly say what we say if we had skeletons in our closet? Would we risk openly saying what we're saying out loud, it's a matter of common sense. Of course we wouldn't. If we, the most corrupt people in Guatemala are the ones that keep quiet and they don't want the US to notice them and they don't want the authorities to notice them because what they're doing, their lucrative businesses are under the underwater and they wanna keep it that way, hiding so that nobody says, oh, you are the one doing this. Whereas us, People like me, people like there's Ricardo Mendez Ruiz or Giovanni Frati or Noel Arameo. There's several of us, Liga Pro Patria, uh, Guatemala Inmortal, um, Mujeres Conservadoras, Conservative Women. All of our, all of these groups are fighting for freedom, rule of law, democracy, quality under the law. We don't care if an attorney general is gay, transsex, transsexual, woman, man, whatever the heck it is. If this person is going to apply the law strictly, and if this person is going to be ethical and is going to be responsible and take responsibility for his or her or whatever actions, we don't care because that's what we want, you see? So they claim that us conservatives here are persecuted, the transgenders, we don't, we're not persecuting anyone. If you kill a person of uh, whatever gender, it's the same thing as killing a man, a woman, a child, or a whatever. It's a murder. And as such, it should be judged. You know, to me, to me, all the, and this is what I think distinguishes 
conservatives from leftists is that you know Betty just summed it up right there. We don't we want basic fundamental rights respected, freedom of speech, property rights, and just leave people alone. Uh, we, if you're going to enforce the laws, if you're going to respect the constitution, you're not going to you know in the case of Guatemala, they're trying to undermine the, the very constitution, the very document that the people have put in place to rein in the rein in power, rein in the government. Uh, I mean that's 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 all that's all the people want, no matter where you're at. And what what Betty and her colleagues are fighting down there is, I call it, and other people have called it, it's it's a new colonialism. I mean, they are no better, in my opinion, than the Spanish conquistadors who were going down there and raping and pillaging. And and by the way, Spanish conquistadors, they were not, they weren't they weren't saints, but they weren't horrible people either. So this that's another. Another, uh, in fact, these people are worse than the Spanish conquistadors in many ways, because they should know better, all right? And they still go down there and violate the sovereignty of the Guatemalan people. They manipulate the legal system for selfish political ends. They manipulate the process to undermine the rule of law, not protect national sovereignty, not protect borders, the way that the Guatemalan people want to rule themselves. We should leave the Guatemalan people be, and guess what? They want to be partners with the United States. They don't want to be uh, creating problems. Trade partners, may I add? Yeah. Trade they, they, partners. They want trade. They want jobs. They want to be able to keep their people working and having a, a very good relationship with America. It's these bad apples. And it's a very small percent of people causing all the problems. Isn't that always the case, mm-hmm. that there's always a small group of them causing all these problems? Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's a small group of people that understand very clearly that if they turn Guatemala into another Venezuela, they will be as rich as Maduro, or if in another into another Cuba, they will be as rich as the Castros. That's their only... Well, that's their mission. Well, Betty, you know, I, I'm convinced, I am convinced, after decades of studying the Americas, that I, I'm almost certain they want to turn Guatemala into another Cuba. You know, Cuba was the... Cuba was the the staging ground where the, the the left and the communists decided to start their little progressive agenda there, if you will. That's what, that's what people call it now progressivism, but it's the same thing. And they learned from their mistakes and they fine-tuned their tactics. And then they went down to Venezuela to keep this thing going with the uh, with that, uh, what's the name of that group that we talk about all the time? The Foro of Sao Paulo. Uh-huh. And they have their own tentacles all over the hemisphere. So they're trying. Grupo de Puebla. Grupo de Puebla. Grupo de Puebla. And they're just trying to undermine democratic institutions, republics, rule of law. And they're going to use every legal tool at their disposal because they're no longer waving, uh, using guns, at least not yet. Although our friends down in Chile are having some problems down there, but something else nobody talks about. Um, uh, Chile is having a real cri- big crisis right now, and it's violent, very violent. The left is uh, burning down cities and downtown, and it's, it's horrible. But and churches and whatnot. And churches are attacking churches, and our friends in Nicaragua are dealing with a, a problem down there, where even the churches are being firebombed, Catholic churches mm-hmm. being firebombed. But they, mm-hmm. if they could turn Guatemala into a socialist quote unquote paradise, they'll do it if we let them. Yes. I mean, they're not going to stop. And in Guatemala, it's correct me and tell me if this is just too shallow of analysis, but it looks like they're trying to use your courts and your legal system to erode piece by piece your fundamental rights. 
Yes, as established, it's clearly established as one of the steps to impose socialism in countries where they cannot win at the on, on elections, on yeah. clean elections, yeah. they can never win. And so they figured out, and by they, I mean the root for Sao Paulo and the international socialists, it's part of the roadmap. It's one of the steps to take over the judiciary and impose lawfare, a lawfare system that they manipulate. What's your message, Betty, as we wrap up uh, to the American people, to the people not only here in Washington, uh, we know they listen to this because uh, we, we get feedback. Uh, what's your message to not only the decision makers, but also to folks outside of Washington who maybe only see the bad news about Guatemala, the quote unquote illegal immigration problem, which I don't believe that's what that's not what Guatemala is about. But so what's, what are your messages to them and what can American taxpayers do to help the people of Guatemala? American taxpayers should know that we don't want we don't want aid. We want trade and trade would stop illegal immigration because we wouldn't create the jobs that are required for people to be to stay in Guatemala. We want our people here. We don't want them up there. That's the number one message for the taxpayers in, in the US. And for the people in office, I would say, please, you're being taken for a ride. You've been betting <laughs> on the wrong horses that are losing at every race because this, like it or not, it's a conservative country. And it is to the advantage of both left or right in Washington, meaning Republicans or Democrats, it is to your advantage to not have another Venezuela in Guatemala. We are too close to you. You do not want another Venezuela in my country. So let us remain as we like. We are free to be a conservative country. Let us create jobs. Let us stop illegal immigration. If we had our military do what they have to do, we would not have drug dealers producing drugs in Guatemala anymore. So let us do what we have to do because we're prepared and ready to do it. All we need is for you to stop defending everyone that opposes what I'm saying, everyone that is looking to turn Guatemala into Venezuela and you are feeding those people and defending them and protecting them and rewarding them. Investigate who you're giving the money to. Please follow the money. And with that, Betty, as always, thank you for uh, the hour just flew by. It felt like five. It felt like five minutes. But Betty, it's always you, fun talking to you, Jason. Well, you always have a home here uh, to Thank come and, and speak to our folks, and I'm looking forward to getting out there soon once travel restrictions have been lifted. Thank you for spending time with us today. Our our best to our colleagues out there in Liga and some others that uh, we are good friends with, our our, our lawyer friends, our, our lawyer warriors down there. Uh, they're mm -hmm. always welcome as well. So thanks again, uh, Betty Marroquin. Thank you, Jason.